Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for october 30th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings wherever you may be Monday Night Raw, man. I was expecting a... And in typical WWE fashion, they don't usually do go-home shows very well. I'm not really all that excited for Crown Jewel. But all in all, it was a pretty decent night, man. But it was a show that the first half was really, really good. And then the second half was just, oh my God, I can't wait for this show to be over. I really can't wait for this show to be over. Honestly, and I know... We should really put him in the distance for now. The first half really felt like a Triple H show, and the second half felt like a Vince McMahon show. I don't know what the fuck happened. It was like the tale of two cities tonight. I don't know. But Monday Night Raw, all in all, by the end of the three hours, was a solid show with a lot to like, for sure. But WWE typically does phone it in. Yes, Wild Stallions, they do typically phone it in. For the Saudi shows and especially for their go-home shows right before the PLEs. The big thing that happened tonight, honestly, was Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, he really cut a very emphatic promo. And he didn't mention anything about Survivor Series. He didn't mention anything about War Games. But it was definitely a battle cry And a passionate promo where I could see him leading the charge to vanquish the Judgment Day from Monday Night Raw. They they all but confirmed war games tonight. And, And we've been seeing that little by little, piece by piece on Monday night. Tonight we're gonna go over what the war games match could really end up being. There was a report from WrestleVotes that went out last week, citing that WWE Creative is thinking about keeping War Games on the Monday Night Raw brand only. Now, it could work, but the only problem is WWE has kind of included the bloodline in the Judgment Day business. And if the bloodline is not in War Games, then I don't really know what we're doing here. 
So it could absolutely work on Monday. We're going to go over how that can be on Monday for War Games tonight. And I'm just thinking what WWE realistically is going to do with the bloodline if they're not involved in War Games. Because, like I said, Sami Zayn and what he said tonight and the promo that he got tonight basically was a war cry. It was a battle cry. It was drawing a line in the sand type shit for the baby faces and then the Judgment Day for sure. So we'll go over that. The other thing I really liked about this show was the Creeds. Yes, Brutus and Julius Creed made their main roster debuts tonight. They are officially called up, according to reports that I read today, officially called up to Monday Night Raw. And there was a big, big, big focus on tag team wrestling tonight. We had two tag team matches tonight, both of which were really, really good. And I'm wondering if Triple H is really starting to resuscitate that tag team division, which was in dire need of being fixed. We got Alpha Academy out there with the Creeds tonight. Tremendous debut for the Creeds tonight. We got DIY in there against the the, uh, Imperium guys, both Kaiser and Vinci, always fucking great. And then you got Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa back together. I mean, look at that tag team division right there. You can't get any better than that. That's fucking great. But the Creeds, they had a tremendous debut tonight. You could not ask for a better debut for the Creeds. They were in there against the best possible team for them to debut against, and they produced what I thought was a tremendous debut match and probably the best tag team match that Alpha Academy has put on in the tag team ranks all year. So I thought that was tremendous stuff from uh, all four men there tonight on Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes was back after the uh, ankle injury suffered last week by Damian Priest. I thought he was all going to challenge Damian Priest to put the briefcase on the line. Thank God we didn't get that. But Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest at the end of the show, again, a battle cry for the babyfaces here in the war that is being waged against Judgment Day. So we're going to go over that as well. The only thing I didn't really like about this show tonight was the two women's matches. I thought they were fucking terrible. Candice LeRae and Zia Lee had an awful match with a shit ending that basically took the entire crowd out of the entire match. And it was just a huge down point in the entire show. Then we got the trick or street fight with Chelsea Green and Natalia. Now, I get that it's Halloween. I don't have to enjoy it. I get that there may be kids watching. I don't have to enjoy it. I get that you might like campy fucking seasonal garbage on your pro wrestling show. I am all but done with the Halloween bullshit. We saw the Halloween bullshit on Saturday night with Abaddon and Collision. That was... Some people I know turned off the show, man. Not their cup of coffee. Not mine either. I can do without all the Halloween bullshit. I am ready to move on from Halloween, to be quite honest with you. I'm ready for uh, Turkey Day. I'm ready for Christmas. Not really a big holiday guy, but Jesus fucking Christ, man. When you got a finish coming where you do a unprettier on candy canes or candy corns, rather. We're not at that season yet. Candy corn. I think it's time to just fucking pack the day up, man. Honestly, let's move on. Awful. Absolutely awful. And the main event with Sami Zayn and Damian Priest, I 
Love what Sami Zayn did tonight. I'm a big Sami Zayn guy. Damian Priest is fucking great too. A lot of Judgment Day on the show. Another Judgment Day babyface main event. Sami Zayn versus Damian Priest doesn't really scream at me as, oh my God, must watch main event. Let's watch the main event of Monday Night Raw. Come on now. How many times? It's honestly getting to a point where I can't wait for them to be vanquished and I can't wait for war games so that the baby faces can get their win and we can move on to something new. It's the same main event over and over and over again, man. People are getting tired of it. Let's move on. We're going to get in with this review tonight, man. I really appreciate you all hanging out with me this evening. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all your support. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. It's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go out and check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. We did an extra today. So if you guys missed today's upload, which many of you seem to uh, have missed, go and check it out. Talk about the Brian Danielson injury that was actually suffered in the match last week with Andrade on collision. And then it was uh, only uh, something that got worse with the tag team match on Dynamite when Brian and Claudio teamed up against Okada and Orange Cassidy. So Brian's going to be out. We talk about that. And a bunch of other shit on the video today. So go check that stuff out, man. All on the homepage in case you missed any of that stuff. Ticket Drew, my guy Andrew Baydala, and myself will be live tomorrow with episode, I think we're at episode 20 of Tuesday Night Titans TNT. We got a loaded show tomorrow, man. We're going to do Crown Jewel predictions. We're going to go over how we think Crown Jewel is going to shape up. We are going to talk extensively about the Kenny Omega and MJF match, which I thought was tremendous on Saturday night. A lot of people were asking where my Saturday night collision review was. Man, that show was bad on Saturday, minus that one match. I was not coming on here to talk about one match. I figured I'd save it for Tuesday night with Drew. We will be live tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. A little later than usual. We got some uh, family things to take care of. Drew's got some family stuff to take care of. He's going to be a little late. So 9 p.m. Eastern is the start time for TNT tomorrow night. Super Chats are open. Get them on in, man. It's the last stream of the month. Let's try and end it with a bang. I don't know what's going on with uh, a Monday Night Raw review, man. We're not even uh, we're not even at 1,400 viewers. What the fuck is going on? Is wrestling really that dead this month? Or do I just suck? What happened? Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show for a last call. Memberships are open. We already got two new members tonight. Thank you very much for all the new members. And thank you for everybody that's re-upping your membership on the stream, on the live stream tonight. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. 
Manscaped.com. We got some new Manscaped stuff coming out, man. Actually, it's already out. We'll talk about it later. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Courtesy of the podcast. Too many sports. I know, I know, I know. All I do is complain. You know, normally I think it's me, to be quite honest with you. Normally I think it's because nobody is entertained by what I do anymore. And maybe I should just quit. I know that's not the case at all. But uh, we will uh, we will get into it, man. Monday Night Raw. Let me move my cold beverage. Let me get my iPad out over here. Let me get my notes out. And then we'll start with this Monday Night Raw review. We start off with... The Judgment Day. Wow, man. If you told me somebody else opened Monday Night Raw, you would be wrong. How many people are how many people are actually a little annoyed and a little over the fact that Judgment Day is all over these shows? I know a lot of people are kind of having their patience worn thin with the Judgment Day, but they're going to be a big factor in war games. So... They're going to have to be all over the show, honestly. So they open with Rhea Ripley. She comes out with Dominic. She comes out with J.D. McDonough. Rhea Ripley bragged about Damian Priest shattering Cody Rhodes' ankle. She then said Dominic is going to put down Ricochet and remind him not to disrespect the Judgment Day. She talked about J.D. McDonough facing Seth Rollins later. Then Sami Zayn's music interrupted. As Sami Zayn walked out, we got everybody cheering Sami and singing his song. Sami sat on the corner turnbuckle, and he looked at he looked right at Rhea Ripley, and he said, "I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you finish. I'm just so sick of hearing you talk." He's talking to Rhea Ripley. He says he fought people like the Judgment Day his entire career, and they think they all matter. And that they have the power. And as long as you're chasing power, you can do whatever you want and do so ruthlessly and oppress anyone as long as it's in the name of power. Sounds like Vince McMahon. Sounds like Sami Zayn is describing Vince McMahon in that opening line. He says, if that's their game, his name isn't Sami Zayn. His name is rebellion. His name is resistance. He was emphatically saying he will fight As long as there is a breath in his body, fans then emphatically chant, Sammy, Sammy. He says he will fight the Judgment Day until they are no more. It doesn't matter if it's two-on-one, three-on-one, four-on-one, or five-on-one. Sammy was very fired up here, man. Rhea Ripley laughed and said that Sammy Zayn was hilarious You can resist all you want. It doesn't matter. We don't need the numbers when it comes to you. She invited him to go one-on-one tonight against Damian Priest. So Rhea Ripley once again putting Priest in a position that really Damian Priest did not agree to. And apparently Rhea Ripley has creative control over uh, what she wants on Monday Night Raw, which is a little weird and a little illogical, but... It's Rhea Ripley. I don't think anybody's going to question Rhea Ripley. Dom began talking 
and then booze rang out. They did not lower his microphone tonight. I think WWE uh, maybe got the message last week after the fucking obvious and really obnoxious manipulation of his fucking reactions on live television, you fucking idiots. Everybody in the arena last week taking videos with their fucking smart, smart smartphone. Oh, look, J.D., look. He gets the reactions on the, in the arena. Yeah, that's great. You're in the arena. Guess what, idiot? I'm watching at home, and it doesn't sound like that. Fucking idiots. Holy shit. How stupid are people? Tonight, they didn't do any of that. It sounded actually normal tonight. They didn't lower his microphone. They didn't add any fucking enhanced booze. Maybe they caught wind of it. I don't know. So Dominic, he's there. And he says, they will teach Sammy a lesson tonight. Rhea, Dom, and McDonough all step towards him. Ricochet charged out to back Sammy Zayn. Rhea, J.D., McDonough, and Dominic left the ring. McDonough then charged at Ricochet, and Ricochet ducked, and he flew out to the floor to end this segment. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about in regards to Sami Zayn and Ricochet being involved here. Ricochet, he was in a little mini feud with Shinsuke Nakamura. Apparently, they moved him on to do a little business with the Judgment Day, which is fine. I think Ricochet, I said this weeks ago, Ricochet under the new administration, now that Triple H is in complete control, Ricochet, whether he wins or loses, is always going to be in a top spot on Monday Night Raw because Triple H loves Ricochet, and I think that's going to be a great thing for him. He's going to reap the benefits of the new creative control on Monday night in Triple H. We all know that for a fact. Sami Zayn, the promo that he cut mentioning he'll go against Judgment Day two-on-one, three-on-one, four-on-one, even five-on-one if need be. That was basically his war cry for drawing the battle lines against the Judgment Day for Survivor Series. That's basically what that was. He basically said war games without actually saying war games. And I love that. Now, there was a rumor or a Russell Votes tweet, which people ran with as news, that WWE Creative was going to keep war games to the Monday Night Raw brand specifically. Now, if they do that, that's fine. It could actually work. The thing is, Bloodline and Judgment Day have a partnership that WWE has highlighted on more than one occasion across Raw and SmackDown. So if the Bloodline's not mixed in with War Games, I don't know if we can keep it to just Monday Night Raw. Now, it would work on Monday in the following way. Cody, Jay, Ricochet, now that he's involved, and Sami Zayn against Finn Balor, Damian Priest, J.D. McDonough, and Dominic Mysterio. That looks like it could work out. Now, if the Judgment Day want to add a fifth, they could absolutely do that with Drew McIntyre. Because Drew McIntyre, the last we saw Drew McIntyre, he was talking to Rhea Ripley and conducting some business with Rhea Ripley. Nobody knows what that business is. We may find that out at, at the Crown Jewel show on Saturday. We don't know what Rhea Ripley's business is with Drew McIntyre. So that would make five 
on the Judgment Day side if they want to go with a five-on-five War Games match. So who do the babyfaces go out there and get on Monday night that would add a fifth to their team? It could be Seth Rollins. I mean, I don't really care to see Seth Rollins as the world's heavyweight champion inside a War Games match, but it certainly definitely lends to Seth Rollins being that he wrestled J.D. McDonough tonight and Rhea Ripley kind of asked him if he wanted to join the Judgment Day. She asked Drew McIntyre if he wanted to join the Judgment Day. So they're all kind of mixed in with with Judgment Day business. But I don't really find Seth Rollins to be all that intriguing of a character for War Games. So we got Cody, Jay, Sammy, Ricochet, and Seth Rollins. For now. Against Finn Balor, Damian Priest, J.D. McDonough, Dominic Mysterio, and Drew McIntyre. That's five on five. Now, if the bloodline is included, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe we get a mix of bloodline and Judgment Day against Cody's team, which could serve to be Raw and SmackDown superstars, for all I know. I don't know. But I'm talking about Monday Night Raw specifically. Then you got the wild card of Randy Orton. Randy Orton's going to be back for Survivor Series. I don't know when. I don't know how they're going to introduce him. He may show up at Survivor Series. Someone on the babyface team may get kicked out of the war game situation and need to be replaced. And Cody Rhodes calls up his longtime friend, the Viper. I don't know. I don't know how we go about that. But it's going to be very interesting to see what Triple H ultimately decides upon with the war games match. We're looking at a five-on-five situation. It's going to either be on Monday Night Raw specifically with those names that I just mentioned, or it's going to be a mixture of Judgment Day and Bloodline against five men, including Cody. Cody and four other guys that are going to be a mix of Raw and SmackDown. I don't know. I would like to see Rollins defend the title against somebody at Survivor Series. I'd like to see... Reigns lead the bloodline into Judgment Day. I mean, Cody and Roman basically drawing their battle lines. This would be a great start to Cody finishing his story. Let me win the fucking War Games match, a match that my dad created. Let me win this against the guy that I'm going to be wrestling at WrestleMania. I think that speaks for itself. It's a great way to start the story. I don't know. So we'll see what happens there, but War Games is certainly underway. War Games is certainly underway, and I think Sami Zayn's promo was definitely the tipping of the hat to the War Games match being confirmed without actually having it be confirmed. So we got Ricochet versus Dominic Mysterio. Now, this match was actually very good, man. This went 12 minutes, and I thought Dominic had a very good showing here. I thought Ricochet had a very good showing here. We could see Ricochet, by the way. Let me say this. Ricochet does not necessarily need to be inside war games, even though the thought of Ricochet in war games would be tremendous because Triple H's war games don't have a top on the cage. Ricochet could go and be as crazy as he wants to be on pay-per-view. Ricochet doesn't need to be in the war games match, which I was thinking maybe they involve him, but they definitely got him mixed up with Dominic. Dominic... And Logan Paul have this partnership that they highlighted tonight. Ricochet and Rey Mysterio could ultimately form some friendship as well and some tag team action there against Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio. You could be looking at that be the Survivor Series match. That could absolutely be the Survivor Series match. Ricochet and Rey Mysterio versus 
Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio. Kind of like that as well, which would eliminate Ricochet from the War Games match. Then you can include Seth Rollins and then Randy Orton, and you can just plug him right in there. That could be. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. So we'll see what happens there. But this was a very good match. I thought this was a very good match. Ricochet looked great. He sold his ass off for Dominic. He made Dominic look really good here. Dominic was very smooth in this match. He worked pretty decently with Ricochet. And Ricochet was all over Dom. And they started off. And we'll pick it up after the break. They started off with Dominic ducking a charging Ricochet. And then yanked his leg. And he crotched the middle rope. So Ricochet started to come back. He landed a running shooting star press. He dove through the ropes, the cross body block, and we go to commercial break. We come back from break. Dominic had Ricochet in a headlock, so he was in control. So during the break, J.D. McDonough, who's on the outside with Rhea Ripley, caused a distraction. This led to Dominic hitting Ricochet from behind. Dominic landed three vertical suplexes, and Dom then went for the 619. Ricochet moved. Ricochet stood on the top rope. Ripley distracted him. Referee started yelling at her. All of a sudden, J.D. McDonough stood on the ring apron, distracted Ricochet after the ref was distracted by Rhea Ripley. Ricochet jumped off the top rope, went to go kick McDonough. McDonough moved. Dominic then rolled up Ricochet, yanked his tights, hooked the tights, and put the feet on the ropes for the added leverage pin. One, two, three. And Dominic beats Ricochet with help from Rhea Ripley, J.D. McDonough, and then hooking the tights on top of a leverage pin. So Ricochet got royally fucked tonight on Monday Night Raw. Post-match, Ricochet fended off all members of the Judgment Day and set up a top rope move on Dom, but Ripley pulled Dominic to safety. And that's the way the match came to a close. Again, I want to reiterate War Games for you because it certainly feels like all of these names are going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Judgment Day with Drew McIntyre. That's the way it certainly feels if they keep it to Monday Night Raw. Cody, Sammy, Jay, Ricochet, Seth Rollins. That's five there. That could be the match. Now, if you want to go with Ricochet continuing his feud with Dom, which we all know will take Ricochet and Dominic well past Crown Jewel, WWE could go Ricochet, Dominic at Survivor Series, maybe for the North American Championship. WWE could take Ricochet and Rey Mysterio, team them together against Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio in a tag team match, a tag team war at Survivor Series because Survivor Series is going to be in front of 16,000 people. I'm not sure if WWE wants Logan Paul missing that. It is part of the big four, and I would assume Logan Paul should be ready for that. They can go and do that, which would then actively move Ricochet off of the War Games team. Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, and Randy Orton for the War Games match for the babyface side to go against Judgment Day to vanquish them once and for all. So, class dismissed. There you go. I just gave you the lowdown on what War Games potentially could be if it stays on Monday Night Raw. I like the makeup of that. I think it works if they want to keep it on Monday Night Raw. But the question remains, what does WWE do with the Bloodline if they are not involved in War Games? What does Roman do with the championship if he does not 
get included in war games? Does he defend the championship? Are the rumors correct that Roman Reigns will be missing Survivor Series? Where does that leave Jimmy and Solo? I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks as we build towards Survivor Series. We got a video package highlighting DIY about their feud in NXT, which was the greatest crown jewel moment in all of black and gold, their feud, unbelievable. And then how they came to reuniting once again, they are real life best friends. Then we got a video package airing with Raquel Rodriguez discussing the five-way match at crown jewel that she is a part of. Wade Barrett said Raquel only has a 20% statistical chance to win the fatal five-way at Crown Jewel for Rhea Ripley's Women's World Championship. Great. I'm glad that they didn't include these women on the show tonight in some cheesy segment. The video packages of Raquel, Nia Jax, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, and Zoe Stark were just as effective, if not more effective, then some cheesy contract signing, then a segment with all of them included, and some big brawl happening to sell the match. This was far more effective. The Creeds, they're with Ivy Nile. If you're not watching NXT, you don't know who the fucking Creed brothers are. Julius and Brutus. Julius is the taller, slimmer one. Brutus is the bigger guy. Really good makeup of both Creed brothers. Tag team action against Chad Gable and Otis. This was their debut match on Monday night. And they are now called up to the main roster. And this is their official homecoming on Monday Night Raw, which I think is a great thing. Now, I talked about this on the extra that I did earlier in the day. And there was reports going around that the Creeds were set to make their debut tonight on Monday Night Raw. They've been down there for two years. They've honed their craft down there for two years. They've done the tag team thing down there for two years. They won the tag team championships on NXT. They feuded with every team that was down there. And they did it pretty well. They were very much over on Tuesday nights. The only thing that was missing from the Creeds was, I would say, a lack of charisma. I think they're slightly vanilla. Depending on who you talk to, you might not agree with that. I know Julius isn't really the best promo. I know Brutus is not really the best promo. I think they come off overly scripted. Ivy Nile, again, kind of stiff in her delivery. But at the end of the day, the makeup of the team is a great tag team. And WWE's very high on them. A lot of WWE officials over the years, over the last couple of years, have been very high on the creeds, and it's only gotten stronger. A lot of them want to see Julius break out in a singles capacity as they have high hopes for him as a singles after this tag team run eventually ends. Same thing with Brutus. So I don't know when that's going to be, but I would rather them not rush that type of situation because right now... The WWE Tag Team Division can certainly use more upper echelon teams, for sure. And there's got to be a right time, right place, and a right situation for something like that to happen. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they do as a tag team first before we start talking about moving Julius on to a singles capacity because they remind him of Kurt Angle. Give me a break. So with the Creeds, 
in this match tonight against the Alpha Academy, you could not ask for a better debut for these guys. You could not ask for a better debut. I thought the crowd was into it. I thought the hot tags when Julius or Brutus got in there with Otis was great. I thought the mix-up between Chad Gable and Julius Creed was great. Just great stuff. This ended up being the best debut possible for the Creeds. This ended up being the best Alpha Academy match that they've had all year as a tag team match. And tag team wrestling is on its way to once again thriving on Monday night, which is a beautiful thing. Gable and Julius started out early, grappling, wrestling. And then the Creeds did their handoff suplex spot. Otis tagged in, hit both men with double clotheslines. Gable tagged back in, hit a big flying double clothesline before he and Otis suplexed the Creeds out of the ring and we go to a commercial break. I was hyped about this because I knew when we got back, we were going to see some action. Gable caught Brutus in an ankle lock. Brutus slipped out and hit a Samoan drop for a two. Gable gave Brutus a back suplex, and both men tagged out. Now we got Otis and Julius Creed in the ring. Otis did a forward roll. He dropped both guys with a double clothesline. He uh, slammed both Creed brothers and hit Julius with a caterpillar elbow, which popped the crowd. Julius then gets back up. He hit Otis with a knee strike and then a standing shooting star press. Brutus... Followed with a standing moonsault, but Gable broke up the cover. Brutus tried clotheslining, but Otis no-sold them and hit the world's strongest slam. Julius goes up top and hits a 450 splash to break up the cover. Gable goes up top, hits a moonsault on top of all three men. Unbelievable crowd was loving every bit of this. Ivy Nile. She jumps on the apron. Maxine Dupree yanked her off the apron. Tozawa gets involved and says, I got it, I got it, let me face her. He gets in Ivy Nile's face, and Ivy Nile gave him a German suplex on the outside for his troubles. Julius got Otis on his shoulders, and it was absolutely a thing of beauty. I don't know how he got Otis on his shoulders, but my God, man, you want to talk about both of them getting over? That's the type of shit that's going to get both of those guys over. So Julius has Otis on his shoulders in an electric chair position. Brutus comes off top with a fucking cannonball. He calls it the Brutus ball or the wrecking ball with a wrecking ball slam off the top. Down goes Otis in the electric chair. Double team finish. One, two, three. And that was it. Excellent debut. Excellent, excellent, excellent debut. You could not ask for a better debut match for Julius and Brutus Creed. Awesome stuff. They all shook hands after the match was over. Crowd cheered. At the end of this, for all we know, they may actually join the Alpha Academy. I think that would be something to definitely get them over. They're going to need a little something, a little push to get them over. Are they going to get over on their own? Like I said, they're slightly vanilla. They don't really have, you know, out there characters that are relatable to the audience. They're going to get over on their athletic ability, but they're going to need more than that. But I think joining the Alpha Academy may push them to that, that threshold and they may actually be accepted by the casual audience. We'll see what happens. But tonight, 
Everybody accepted them for what they did in that ring, man. Tremendous stuff from both teams here on Monday night. Finn Balor. He was backstage with Damian Priest. And they were conducting business. New Day knocked on their door and said, trick or treat, Balor welcomes them into the Judgment Day locker room. They said they were dressed as the new Judgment Day. After complaining that they didn't have candy, New Day left and crossed paths with Dom, Rhea Ripley, and J.D. McDonough. Priest said the entire Judgment Day should have been out there earlier. He was angry about what happened with Dominic. By the way, Xavier Woods gave Rhea Ripley a nice flirtatious look. How you doing, mommy? Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. You got Dominic and Buddy Matthews to contest with, bro. Move on. Move on. So Priest talked about possibly cashing in on Seth or Drew after their match, or maybe he cashes in on Roman or L.A. Knight. At Crown Jewel. Why are you putting me in matches that I didn't ask to be put in? He's asking Rhea Ripley. Like, how are you going to go out there and start making matches for us when we didn't agree to those said matches? And I thought we said that there were no leaders in Judgment Day. Meanwhile, you are conducting business without actually asking us. So, Priest said tonight cannot be about him, but about the Judgment Day. He says they'll show everyone that they run Monday Night Raw Dominic wants revenge on Ricochet, and they all were in unison here in the back after uh, a little a little uh, moment of being upset there by Damian Priest. Miz TV. Miz had Gunther as his guest on Miz TV. He says it's his first time on any WWE talk show. And he introduced Gunther to the live audience. Gunther did not walk out. He says it's his first name or his first time, and he probably doesn't understand protocols. He tried again. He says, Gunther from Ms. TV. Nobody came out. He asked, maybe I should speak in German. Instead, out walked Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Kaiser said the ring general isn't going to walk to the ring just because the Miz tells him to. Kaiser said Miz is literally everything that is wrong with the WWE universe today. He says he's the embodiment of what they absolutely despise. You are nothing but a clown, Miz. There were murmurs and boos, and everybody was kind of on the Miz's side here. He told, actually, Miz says he's been a lot of things, but he's never been another man's sidekick. He told Vinci, that must make you Imperium's third wheel. Vinci asked Miz if he was his wife's sidekick on their reality series. Miz then obviously got a little defensive here, and he got wide-eyed, and he said, wow, he, he speaks. Giovanni Vinci actually spoke words. Give him a round of applause, he says to Vinci. You wish you could get yelled at by someone as hot as my wife, Miz said. Now, to be fair, I don't think Giovanni Vinci is having problems getting the ladies. That's all I'll say. Miz asks Kaiser if he granted permission to Vinci to talk. Vinci says he talks when he wants to. Kaiser then interrupts, which is very interesting. 
Kaiser then interrupted, interrupted Vinci, and Kaiser said that you only speak when I tell you to speak or when Gunther tells you to speak. I don't know what this teasing of turmoil is in Imperium. Are they ready to break up Kaiser from Imperium and have him go solo? Are they ready to break Vinci away from Imperium to go solo? I don't really, I don't really know what the reasoning is there. I, I don't think that they are ready at all, not even close to breaking up Imperium. Yet we got these little subtleties about Vinci having a problem with Kaiser, Kaiser having a problem with Vinci, Gunther having a problem with both of them. I don't really like that. But more teases and more subtle uh, instances where they may be breaking up Imperium at some point in the future. So Gunther walks out with his Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. He enters the ring and he gets in Miz's face. He tells the Miz that he's not his guest. He's not his guest on Miz TV. He says he wants to make two things clear to Miz. He said in 2023... He's seriously trying to run a talk show. Really? In 2023, you're seriously trying to conduct a wrestling talk show. Yes, that's a shoot. Yes. I don't know why we still have wrestling talk shows weekly on WWE TV. They are lame. WWE only does them because they are really lacking in the creativity department. He says the ring is sacred to him. And everything The Miz does is beneath him. Shoot. Gunther is not speaking lies. Miz said, listen, I interviewed an invisible John Cena in this chair that is sitting right behind you and said he was more entertaining than Gunther. Now, Miz is false in that statement. No, invisible John Cena is not more exciting or entertaining than Gunther. Miz says he's the top star in WWE. He's one of the top stars that WWE has. Gunther then says that Miz is a mere talk show host, whereas he's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Miz says he could be serious if he wants to be. He talked about big wins for the titles that he's had in his history, mentioning that he's beaten Randy Orton for the world title, and he's won the world title again 11 years after that, and he's pinned John Cena in the main event of WrestleMania, blah, 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 blah. He talked about the Intercontinental Championship. Miz says he could win the IC title again and take it from Gunther. Gunther started laughing hysterically at that statement. Kaiser then walks over. He starts speaking German to the rest of his boys. And he walks over to the Miz TV table that they have set up and they have carved pumpkins, one with a upside upside down WWE logo for Miz TV. And they had one with a Halloween face carved into it. So Kaiser takes one of the pumpkins with the Miz TV logo on it and smashes it in front of the Miz, throws it down to the ground. Gunther starts laughing and says, Miz, what are you going to do about this? Absolutely nothing. Kaiser then throws chairs from the Miz TV set out of the ring. Miz turned and punched Kaiser as he started throwing chairs out of the ring. Gunther then gets involved and chopped Miz down. Gunther told Miz, 
that is not in his league. Miz then popped up and attacked Gunther. Kaiser and Vinci held Miz as Gunther started kicking him. And that was basically it. That was basically it. Kaiser and Vinci held Miz down. Gunther kicked him. And Miz eventually got up. He walked away and crossed paths with DIY as they made their entrance against Imperium. I don't even know where to begin with this, man. Gunther, I don't give a shit what WWE does. I don't give a shit who WWE throws at Gunther. I don't know where they're going to take Gunther's reign. I don't know when the reign is going to end. But it should end with Chad Gable. That's the story that WWE has told. That is the story that WWE has proceeded to tell. And Chad Gable says... And I quote, he is not letting go of that title. By hook or by crook, at some point, he will take that title. He promised to take that title from Gunther. At what event, when, where, how, I don't know. I don't know. But selling us on The Miz is not going to do anything to generate interest for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther said that The Miz is beneath him. Fact. Gunther and The Miz is nothing to get excited about. It's actually laughable how WWE is setting The Miz up to be a potential challenger for the Intercontinental Championship and Gunther. How many matches one-on-one has The Miz won this year? I can't even fucking tell. I'm lucky if it's one. Has The Miz won a singles match all year? And if he has, what does it matter? The Miz is one of the worst offensive pro wrestlers in the history of the business. The man, I'm not saying he can't wrestle, but the way that he wrestles, can you imagine him in a match against Gunther? The Miz has had one injury over, how many years has he been doing this? 16 years? The Miz has had one injury in 16 years. The Miz is the safest pro wrestler in the history of, of wrestling, and you want to throw him in there against somebody that legitimately could cave this guy's chest in with one fucking chop, the the Miz is never going to want to wrestle again if he wrestles Gunther. Yet you want me to believe that this guy stands a chance against Gunther. And why are we teasing a Miz babyface turn? Who wants to be sympathetic towards the Miz? I know I don't. Do you want to cheer the Miz? Do I want to cheer The Miz? The answer is no. Nobody wants to cheer The Miz. The Miz serves one purpose and one purpose only. He's a great supportive character. You plug him into anything, he's going to be a solid guy in there to get the job done. He's not there to get over. He's not there to win a title. He's there because they need a somewhat top name to go in there and plug into a role so that they can fill a void on the show. That's all he is. And in this case, he's another major name that WWE needs to stretch out Gunther's reign even longer than anticipated, and that's all he will be used for. He's not winning the championship. He's not coming close to winning the championship, and I don't know why we're taking The Miz and taking him from a heel to a babyface because I don't know who the fuck would be interested in that. It's like, and I'm going to use a baseball analogy here 
It's like you take Greg Maddox's curveball or changeup away from him, and he's left with nothing but a fastball. Like, The Miz has his tried and true taken away from him. The Miz is having his one pure, solid strength taken away from him, being a heel. It's like you've depleted him of all his power. To do what? Make him a sympathetic babyface? To team him up with DIY as they battle Imperium? Because Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are two, and we need another one to make it three to battle Imperium? Doesn't really sound exciting to me. DIY versus Imperium sounds great. Add the Miz into that. I guess it's not as egregious as it would be if it's a one-on-one match, but are we really leading the Miz to Gunther? Come on now. Nobody wants to see that. The Miz sucks. The Miz is just genuinely an awful pro wrestler on the offensive side. Not saying that he hasn't had good matches. I mean, the man has had good matches. But his offense is so terrible. So terrible. I can't even I can't even imagine the mismatch it would be against Gunther. My God, I don't know what we're doing. So Miz, at the end of this, he goes to the back. He walks by DIY. That's a tease right there that they're going to be teaming Miz up with Gargano and Champa against Imperium. That's what it is. Miz approached Adam Pearce in the back. And he ranted about never being as humiliated and disrespected in his entire career than he was out there. Pierce asked, are you sure about that? Miz then demanded a shot at Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. What makes the Miz thinks, what makes the Miz think he deserves an IC title shot? He hasn't won a match all year. And if he has, it's won. Pierce says, I just can't give you a title match but I can give you an opportunity to earn one. Miz asked against who? And Bronson Reed walked in. Now, Bronson Reed and Miz is not the match. This is being stretched out across the show. There are two other men that are going to get involved in the IC title hunt for Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. When and where, I don't know. But we got a fatal four-way happening for the Intercontinental number one contendership and Gunther's IC title. DIY, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa versus Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. This was a really good tag team match. And tag team wrestling, like I said, with the Creeds and Alpha Academy is off to a great start in the Triple H era. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had new theme music. It's still awful. It is still awful. I don't know why WWE chooses to pay for the rights to some of their old NXT themes and refuse to pay for the rights to Rebel Heart, the original version. That's what they should come out to. I don't know why they need to go and recreate something that is just genuinely not going to stick or hit with the entrance. Now, I might have to listen back to it again But from what I heard, I wasn't immediately impressed with the theme music that they had made for DIY and the reunion of DIY. They did have matching gear, though. They did have matching ring gear, which I appreciate because they are a tag team and they should look like they are a tag team. So Gargano, after a commercial break, he tried to make a tag tag to Champa, 
And Kaiser dropped Champa from the apron. Very sound tag team wrestling here by Imperium. Gargano hit Vinci with a DDT. Finally made the tag to Champa, who hit both guys, both Vinci and Kaiser with clotheslines, and then a leaping double clothesline. Champa gave Kaiser a reverse DDT for a two count. Everybody started trading moves until Kaiser dropped Champa with a clothesline of his own. Kaiser tried to go for a big move off the top, but Gargano super kicked him in midair, knocked him out. Champa ducked a Vinci moonsault, hit a knee strike. DIY then followed with the finish. Meet them in the middle for the one, two, three. Vinci was the one pinned, as per usual. DIY is back together. I like it. I think it's great. I think they're going to eventually get over. The more you see them wrestle like this and the more they get their shit in on Monday night in front of a live audience, the crowd is going to warm up to them eventually. It's going to be a slow burn. But I thought that they were much more over here tonight, which I thought tonight was a decent crowd. They were much more over tonight than they were last week, and you're going to continue to build upon that. And I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa being back as the top babyface tag team on Monday Night Raw. You cannot ask for a better tag team in any, any promotion than DIY. Excellent. Shinsuke Nakamura. There was a video package for Shinsuke Nakamura saying he's still looking for his next victim. He asked if everyone is afraid to step up. He said he is waiting. Now, who is Nakamura talking about? Who is Shinsuke Nakamura talking about here? Seen some people on social media saying that Nakamura is talking about CM Punk. Why would WWE be hyping up a Shinsuke Nakamura mystery opponent in regards to CM Punk? Kind of a lame return match, don't you think? Some other people were saying, well, maybe it's Randy Orton. The fuck does Randy Orton have to do with Shinsuke Nakamura? No, it's not CM Punk, and no, it's not Randy Orton. Randy Orton does not make any sense whatsoever, and a match between those two in 2023 would be the drizzling shits, creatively. Nobody wants to see that. I don't know who he's talking about. Who is Shinsuke Nakamura talking about? They got him one-on-one next week with Akira Tozawa. Is Tozawa the guy that he's talking about? I don't know. But Nakamura is looking for his next victim. Who's going to step up? The fuck do I know? We got a vignette that aired on Candice LeRae. And LeRae is back on Monday Night Raw, man. You know who's booking the show when Candice LeRae is back on television. She went one-on-one with Zia Lee. This was the downer part of the show up until this point. Everything else was pretty decent up until this point. Candice LeRae and Zia Lee. Now, I know that they're building Zia Lee up to be a credible threat to the other ladies in the division. And I get what they were trying to go for here in this match. But when this match was over, a lot of the fans just kind of felt befuddled and they looked a little out of it. They didn't really know what to feel. They didn't know what was going on here with this ending. It took everybody out of the situation. It made Candice LeRae look like a blithering idiot. It made Zia Lee stand there like a dummy with no reaction. And like nobody, nobody reacted to this. They didn't know how to react to anything that was going on here. Now, the match went two minutes. 
The match went two minutes. That's it. I get what they're trying to do, but a two-minute match for Candice LeRae? Come on. LeRae rolled up Zaya for a two-count. Zaya came back with a spinning roundhouse kick to the side of Candice LeRae's head. Candice went down hard. She was motionless. She did not move. Referee goes to check on her. She says, back off, Zaya, back off. Candice eventually gets up. She stumbles back down. She's loopy. She's dizzy. The referee checked on her and eventually called for the bell because Candice LeRae could not stand up. Crowd was as silent as a church mass. Zia Lee wins in under two minutes by referee stoppage. Awful. Like, I get, I get you want to make Zia Lee into a credible threat, but you could have given these women a couple more minutes to go out there and actually have a fucking wrestling match and do a proper ending or maybe a post-match attack instead of the typical bullshit ending where you get knocked out, you don't know what the fuck's going on, you think she's really hurt, but she's not, it ends up being a fucking angle, the live crowd doesn't know what's going on, and then everybody is fucking confused and taken out of the situation. It very much reminded me of what happened at the end of Dynamite, where Brian Danielson got hurt, and all of a sudden the crowd went silent, they didn't know what the fuck was going on, we didn't know if the injury was a shoot or a work. WWE did not do a good job with Xia Lee here. Candice LeRae was shown getting her shoulder in the back, iced by the trainers, and Indy Hartwell and DIY came in to check on her. Gargano, obviously the husband of Candice LeRae, and they're all checking on her. So I don't know if this is a little tease here that we may be getting the way back together. We don't know what's going on there. I know Triple H at one point had brought the way That was Johnny Gargano's group on NXT. When Johnny Gargano was with WWE on Tuesday nights, he had a a group called The Way. It was Candice. It was, at one point, Austin Theory, Dexter Loomis, Indy Hartwell. So we don't know what's going on there, but they're all kind of still in the same boat. They are still a a family. So I wonder if they are eventually going to get The Way back together, but this time with Tommaso Ciampa. We got a video that aired on Drew McIntyre. And we got a very, this is the first time I've seen this, a very rare clip of Drew McIntyre beating Brock Lesnar at the Performance Center for the World Heavyweight Championship for the WWE title. So one of the biggest moments of his career took place during a time nobody wants to remember. He said it bothers him. He talked about his journey out of and back into WWE. He talked about the Royal Rumble, winning the Royal Rumble. And then COVID happened and his match was in an empty performance center. He then talked about another chance, this time against Reigns at Clash of the Castle. He says he can make everything right at Crown Jewel. He said Seth is willing to break his back to retain the title. And he's willing to break his back to take it from him. Drew McIntyre continues to be the most intriguing individual outside of Gunther on Monday Night Raw. Now, I don't think he's winning the championship. I would be shocked if Drew McIntyre wins the World Heavyweight Championship from Seth Rollins. I just don't see that happening. I don't. Now, if he wins the championship, that's going to be a very interesting discussion to have after Crown Jewel because 
there was a rumor and a report going around via Fightful Select that McIntyre has yet to resign with the WWE. He is still very much going to be a free agent around WrestleMania season in 2024. WWE's not going to put a championship on somebody like Drew McIntyre on Saturday at Crown Jewel when he has not committed to staying with the company. So right now, as far as I'm concerned, if that rumor is to be believed, if that news is to be believed, then Seth Rollins is not losing that championship. But I thought this was a great vignette. I thought this was a nice look into what Drew McIntyre is thinking about and where his mind is at and why he's slowly changing to good guy into a very, very depressed and suppressed bad guy. You know what's bothering him. And now all of that anger and all of that shit that he's kind of held in for all these years is starting, starting to bubble up to the surface. And he wants to basically exact revenge on certain people. The bloodline, Seth Rollins. He wants what is his, the world championship, because he got robbed of that moment. And then the bloodline took it away from him at, at uh, Clash of the Castle. I like it. I think it's good stuff. Seth Rollins. He is in the middle of the ring, and everybody is once again singing his song. in the middle of the ring. It's got a one-on-one match with uh, J.D. McDonough. I love when people on WWE TV just say J.D., huh? Hey, you know, I got a match with J.D. later. How many of you fucking geeks out there? Oh, I hate that guy. It's great. He called J.D. McDonough the Judgment Day's little bag boy. Go bag some groceries, bruh. Seth told Drew everyone was fighting their battles during the pandemic, so boo-hoo, Drew. Boo-hoo. So people were worried about having money for groceries or to see their loved ones again, and you're crying about a fucking world title. So excuse me for not feeling sorry about you and that you didn't win the WWE Championship the way you dreamt it. He says he then blames the bloodline for everything else. He says he's not alone. But guys like Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes... I've had the same issues. You don't hear those guys asking for pity. He said if Drew can beat him, he'll be the first to shake his hand and call him champ, just like he did in 2020. He says he's not the same person Drew beat back then. J.D. McDonough then attacked Seth Rollins from behind, and that was basically the start of the match. Seth Rollins and J.D. McDonough, they went about 15 minutes or so, This was actually a very good match. A lot of people aren't really high on J.D. McDonough, especially when Rollins calls him a little bitch boy or a little bag boy. But J.D. McDonough is a fantastic pro wrestler. J.D. McDonald's, J.D. McFunko Pop, J.D. McRib, J.D. McCafe, whatever you guys guys want to call him. 
J.D. McFlurry, whatever you want to call him. Doesn't matter. He's still a great pro wrestler. So some of you might not agree with me here, but I actually thought this was a better in-ring match than both matches with Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. That's just my honest opinion. You may not agree with me. I don't really give a shit. I thought this match was a better bell-to-bell match than both Shinsuke Nakamura matches with Rollins at the last two pay-per-views. So, Rollins kicked McDonough, who charged in. Seth was beating him up at ringside for a little bit. We go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. McDonough's making a comeback. McDonough gets a comeback when we get back from commercial. And at this point, he was in control with the rest hold. Rollins started fighting back with some chops, a big clothesline, big thrust kick, another clothesline, and another clothesline. Rollins hits the sling blade. He goes for a running knee strike. He gets a cover, gets a two count. McDonough then avoided a curb stomp, blocked Seth Rollins' attempt at a pedigree, and then he hits a flying headbutt. So after the headbutt, they trade counters. McDonough eventually pulls out a random Spanish fly, standing Spanish fly for a two. Rollins followed with a buckle bomb, and he went to the top rope but was distracted by Damian Priest, who walked down the aisle with a referee and a briefcase in hand, the Money in the Bank briefcase. Rollins tried for his signature frog splash, but McDonough got the knees up, and I thought this was it. I actually thought McDonough had won the match here because of the distraction, but Rollins kicked out at a two. Rollins hit a big back suplex off the top rope, Follows with a pedigree and then a curb stomp for a very decisive pinfall here over J.D. McDonough. Damian Priest did not attempt to cash in. He just teased one or wanted to distract Rollins with a potential of a tease. But there was no opening there for Damian Priest to even cash in. It was merely used as a distraction to help J.D. McDonough win the match. But... Damian Priest is already teased, possibly cashing in on Rollins at the pay-per-view. I don't see that happening. I don't think Damian Priest is going to have a successful cash-in. He's not cashing in on Seth. He's not cashing in on Drew because Drew's not winning. And he's not cashing in on LA Knight because LA Knight's not winning the championship. And he's certainly not cashing in on Roman Reigns. So I don't see anybody but Rollins, and I don't even think we're going to go that far. I think Damian Priest eventually loses the cash-in. And then that's what eventually splits Judgment Day apart, and Damian Priest can go on his own. Rollins left the ring. He got in Priest's face at the end of this thing, and he invited him to make a move. Go ahead, make a move. Cash it in. Cash it in, I dare you. Priest told him to be careful what he wished for. Ricochet's in the back, and he is with Adam Pierce. He told Adam Pierce that, listen, bro, did you see what happened out there with Dominic? Pierce says, yes, I did. He said to make it up to him, I'd like to give you a match to earn a shot at the IC title. So he wants Dominic, but he can't have Dominic yet. So Adam Pierce said, you know what? I'll put you in this IC title match I'm thinking about. Ricochet, yeah, that sounds good. But I also have a bone to pick with Dominic, so that is far from over. Adam Pierce said, whatever you want to do, bro. Whatever you want to do. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven walked in. And Chelsea Green was dressed for Halloween. She was dressed as Brett the Hitman Hart. 
And Piper Niven was dressed as Jim the Anvil Neidhart. This was probably the best thing about both of these ladies tonight. Because the match itself that was coming up next was fucking terrible. Ivar and Valhalla asked to see Pierce in his office about the IC title. Pierce said to no one at all, in particular in this segment, I need a drink. They're turning Adam Pierce into an alcoholic. Don't start stealing my gimmick, Adam Pierce. I'll tell you right now. The only one that's having cold beverages here in the community is me. But they're turning Adam Pierce into an alcoholic because there's just so much going on on Monday night that he needs a cold beverage. I don't blame him. You should have a couple before the show even starts, man. The show would feel a lot better. Natalia makes her way down to the ring for this trick or street fight. And she's dressed as a bunny. Yes, a bunny rabbit. Dressed in leather with a whip. So Natalia was dressed as a dominatrix for Halloween. Natalia's out there with Chelsea, and we have this one-on-one match. It went six minutes. This may have been the worst women's match, or at least one of the worst women's matches of 2023. I, listen, I know how to have fun. I do. I know what fun is. I think I'm a fun guy. I think I'm a funny guy. I think I'm humorous when I want to be. This does not speak to me as fun. It doesn't. Pies to the face, bobbing for apples, pumpkins to the face, candy corn, throwing fucking wrapped candy at somebody, all because it's Halloween, fucking plastic skeletons being used in this match on each other. Not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. In fact, I don't even drink tea. Not my cup of coffee. This match was terrible. Everything about this match was terrible. Don't really understand who enjoyed this. If you did, you got some serious fucking problems. Not for me. I can't wait for the Halloween season to be over. And then we'll go into the fucking Thanksgiving theme matches. And then after that, we'll go to the fucking 34th on Miracle Street Fight. Miracle on 34th Street Fight. Whatever the fuck they call it. Ridiculous. They brawled with pumpkins around ringside and some other Halloween paraphernalia. At one point, there was a table with pumpkins. Chelsea Green lifted the pumpkins up off the table. She lifted one of the pumpkins off the table, and underneath the pumpkin was Nikki Cross staring at nothing, very stoically. Wade Barrett says, I think I got to call Daryl Dixon or Rick Grimes and get somebody out here to take care of the walking dead. Niven handed Green a black bag. In the black bag was candy corn. She set up a suplex on Natalia, but Natalia powerbombed her onto the candy corn. If this sounds as terrible as I'm making it sound, it's because it is. It was. That was almost a candy finish, said Michael Cole. Candy corn apparently hurts. I don't know what other candy would be used in a match in Hertz. Candy corn is hard, right? I guess they they thought that was going to be the worst punishment of somebody being slammed on candy corn. What about Jolly Ranchers? What about Tootsie Rolls or Blow Pop or something? I don't know. 
Natalia plot a sharpshooter. Piper Niven distracted Natalia and held her. I think Piper Niven was hit with a fucking pie from Titus Catering at this point. She goes down. Green won with the unpretty her. One, two, three. Chelsea Green wins an absolutely atrocious match. But, but it's, it's tradition, man. And I believe she didn't have fun. Get it off my TV. If I want to go have fun, I'll go to a Halloween party and get myself drunk. Shit sucks. Next week, final four-way for the IC title shot. Bronson Reed, Miz, Ricochet, and Ivar. Ivar's getting a shot at that IC title, man. If anybody's winning that match, I'm going with Ivar. Ivar for the win. And then Nakamura versus Akira Tozawa. Great. Seems like Monday Night Raw is uh, shaping up for next week. That IC title shot, Fatal 4-Way, looking forward to that. Damian Priest, he goes one-on-one with Sami Zayn. Oh, I'm missing a Becky Lynch promo. I'm sorry. There was a Becky Lynch promo. Oh, but what about the Becky Lynch promo, J.D.? Becky Lynch was interviewed by Jackie Redmond. She was asked about losing her NXT title last Tuesday to... Lyra Valkyria. She said losing has never kept her down. She said she defended her title in 42 days as champion more frequently than Rhea Ripley or Roman Reigns have all year. That's a burn right there, bruh. Becky Lynch is bringing the heat. She said she doesn't need the title. The title needs her. She doesn't need the title. The title needs her. That's a great way to sell it on Lyra Valkyria, right? Becky has been having a problem with Zia Lee lately. So in walks Zia Lee and asked if she was too scared of her because she didn't give her a title match. Now you lost the title. Now I can't beat you for said title. Becky said if she wants a fight, they can fight right now. Zia said they'll fight, but on her time. Is anybody interested in a Zia Lee-Becky Lynch one-on-one match? The answer is no. WWE typically goes into spasm mode. They go into anxiety mode. I don't know. How do we book Becky Lynch if she's not in a title match? I don't know. Damian Priest versus Sami Zayn. One-on-one match. Wow, man, the Judgment Day and another main event against the Babyfaces, man. Wow, uh, what a load of shit. This reeks of so much creativity, man. I wonder how long it took them to come up with this one. This match went nine minutes. This was nothing more than a sell for the Crown Jewel show on the go-home show for Saturday's pay-per-view. That's all it was. This was nothing more than a way to reintroduce Cody Rhodes back to the show because we haven't seen him all night, and that's exactly what it was. So we go to commercial break. They go right to commercial break about two, three minutes in. We get back from break. Balor and Dominic are outside because they needed to be in Damian Priest's corner. 
So they tried to distract Sami Zayn. Priest hit south of heaven for two count. He followed with a reckoning, and then they called it out as being a similar move to Crossroads from Cody Rhodes. So everybody now on commentary is speculating that it could be a message sent to Cody Rhodes, but it's not really a message sent to Cody Rhodes. It's the guy's alternate finishing move. The fuck is he doing? I mean, he hasn't used it in a while, but he typically goes to the razor's edge. He goes to the south of heaven, but, you know, he pulled out the reckoning here tonight, which is basically a crossroads. So Priest then set up for the razor's edge. Sammy slipped free and then avoided Priest who charged in. He went headfirst into the top of the turnbuckle, the top turnbuckle. Dominic then punched Sami Zayn as Ballard distracted the referee all of a sudden, Jay Uso comes out. Oh! Jay Uso comes out. His music hits. He took out Dominic. He took out Balor. Fans are chanting, Uso, Uso. Jay kicked Priest, and the referee DQ'd Sami Zayn. So basically, this was a waste of my time. Dominic, Balor, and Priest attack Sami Zayn and Jay Uso. Fans chanted for Cody. Obviously, their prayers were answered tonight. Cody came out. So we got all three baby faces out there battling up with the Judgment Day. Cody threw Priest into the ring post and then threw him over the announce desk. Cody then set up Priest for a crossroads on the announce desk. J.D. McFlurry came out and made the save. J.D. McDonough made the save. Sami Zayn then gave him a halluva kick. Cody stood on the announce desk and told Sami to bring McDonough to him. Sami threw him to Cody. Cody delivered the crossroads on the table. Fans chanted one more time. Actually, Cody picked up a microphone and he was going to say something to the live audience. Then the crowd chanted one more time, one more time. And then he gave another crossroads to J.D. McCafe on the table. And two crossroads. McDonough was down. Cody picks up the microphone and he gets in the ring and starts talking to Damian Priest, who's standing in the aisleway. Cody told Priest he was unsuccessful, unsuccessful in his attempt last week to take him out. He says he's within a whisper of immortality with that briefcase. At this point, I thought Cody was going to challenge Damian Priest, that crown jewel for the briefcase, and ask him to put the briefcase on the line. Thank God he didn't do that. Yet he's not the leader of Judgment Day. Cody says he walks behind Rhea, Balor, and even Dom. He said Saturday at Crown Jewel... His path goes straight through him, and it will be a Saudi Arabian nightmare for Damian Priest. That's the way Monday Night Raw came to a close. WWE selling us on Cody, finishing his story. And that's basically it. I thought it was a tale of two cities tonight. First half was pretty decent. Got some great wrestling. The Creeds made their debut tonight. Excellent match with Alpha Academy. Ricochet had a very good match with Dominic Mysterio. That first hour was really good. DIY versus Imperium. I even enjoyed Miz TV, even though I'm not really on board with Miz challenging Gunther for the Intercontinental title. I thought the face-to-face with Miz and Gunther was really entertaining. And then we got the second half of the show and seemingly feels like the show went off a fucking cliff. But I thought it was a solid go-home show. I'm excited for Crown Jewel. I'm excited for Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship. 
Outside that, I don't really know what else I really care for on that show. It really feels like a nothing show. But it should be newsworthy, to say the least. And then we can really get the fun started and start building towards Survivor Series and start assembling this War Games build. Can't do that when we got Crown Jewel in the fucking way. But that's what typically happens in the month of November. WWE has two pay-per-views or PLEs, whatever the fuck you want to call them. And one has to wait to be over before we can start building towards the other one. But I think Triple H has done an admirable job at planting some seeds for what happens after Crown Jewel so that he can pick up those pieces and go right into it after Crown Jewel is over. It's not like he's really abandoned Survivor Series. I don't think he's really neglected Survivor Series. You, you, you see the Survivor Series build. In the Crown Jewel build. I just don't really care much for what's happening on Crown Jewel. And all I want to do is talk about Survivor Series. But I want, uh, but what I thought was a decent uh, go-home show tonight. Hopefully you guys thought it was as well. And hopefully you enjoyed the podcast this evening. We are going to get into the Super Chats, which apparently, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't want to hang out anymore. Maybe... Maybe you guys don't want to hang out, man. What what the fuck happened here? Zero super chats. You want me to go home? I'll go home. I don't know, man. Maybe the super chat button disappeared for you guys. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it to get caught up on, including today's extra. And I got some new content going up tomorrow as well. Already pre-recorded, already in the can. Going to edit it, going to upload it. You guys are going to have more extra tomorrow. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And make sure you guys go and check out my sponsor for tonight's show, Manscaped. With the new Lawnmower 5.0. Gentlemen. I have an urgent message for all of you. Tonight's show is brought to you by Manscaped, the brand that took your balls to space. Is now launching them into the Ultra Sphere, introducing the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Featuring a new cutting edge design and next generation dual skin safe blade heads for different shaves. It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs. To the next level. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with a brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com. 20% off. Free shipping. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. Sounds like a great deal to me. Plus, you're going to get the free shipping. I've been lucky to try the new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Manscaped was gracious enough to send me a prototype. I love it. So much better than the 4.0. It's next generation. Game changing is an understatement. Manscaped's fifth generation trimmer features two 
next-gen interchangeable skin-safe blade heads, a standard trimmer blade for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go with that smooth finish wherever your heart desires. This bad boy also features dual LED spotlights to provide contrast on multiple skin tones so you can shed some light on your darkest places. Taking it on the go, Manscaped's got you covered. This one comes with a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering on or off or weird looks at the airport. This right here, folks, is on the cutting edge of cutting pubes. Upgrade your ball trimmer today and your life will follow. Once again, 20% off, free shipping, code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 20% off free shipping. Sounds good to me, man. Manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra with Manscaped. Tony Brown with a new membership. I am uh, confused because I know Tony Brown's not a new member. But then YouTube says Tony Brown is a member for 17 months. You're my absolute favorite podcaster, J.D. I'm proud to be your VIP. Thank you, Tony Brown. I appreciate you being here, brother. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Sowing the seeds for war games and J.D. Judgment Day. Crumbling. Absolutely. Uh, MGM Ballin with a $4.99. While I agree, I agree with your Miz criticisms, it's hard for me to not get fired up when he cuts a serious promo. We need more of this Miz like 2016. I was a fan of 2016 Miz. I was. I enjoyed his feud greatly with Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship. We got Jason Alpog with a new membership. Jason, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? The Bastard 97 with seven months. Seven months subscription to the best podcast ever. Also, that trick or treat. Street fight was bad. You can tell because Michael Cole wasn't even caring. Of course not. It's awful. All these Halloween-themed shows or Halloween-themed matches, Christmas-themed matches, suck. Billy Sizain with 15 months. JD, you the man. You're the best in the IWC. Thank you, Billy. Peter Gaymore. Whoa, Peter Gaymore. We got... Gaymore with a $50 super chat. He says, (laughs) Great. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate you, brother. Yuri Lover with a $2 super chat. We make fun of JD McNuggets in Issa's live stream. He's still a great pro wrestler, Yuri. And the cake with the $2 Super Chat. Super Chats have been moved to fund the taco truck. I guess nobody wants to keep me around, bro. Goodbye. Pretty disappointed in you guys with the Super Chats, man. That was it. That's everything. 
I may have to quit YouTube. Nobody gives a shit about the show anymore. I don't know. Whatever. Early night for me, I guess, huh? Goodbye. Thank you guys for all your support. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes on tonight's Monday Night Raw post. I'll be back tomorrow night with Andrew Baydala. Tomorrow night, TNT episode 20. We're going to talk about that Kenny Omega and MJF title match on Saturday night. Go check out the extra from earlier today. I got more extra going up tomorrow. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And go check out my sponsor for tonight's show, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. 20% off, free shipping. Go get yourself the new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Thank you guys for a great stream. Hopefully you learned something today. Hopefully you took something away from this. And again, I'll see you guys tomorrow afternoon for more extra right here on Off The Script. And I'll be live with Andrew Baydal tomorrow night for TNT right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.